The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from another time stream, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the doctor, and who are you? And who are you? Apple Apogee. What a beautiful word. Beautiful word. Beautiful world. Voted number two planet in the top ten greatest destinations for the discerning intergalactic traveller. I give you sunsets, spires, soaring silver colonnades. I give you. Uh, doors. Have you seen my phone? Your phone? Yeah. Your mobile telephone. I bring you to a paradise planet two billion light years from Earth, and you want to update. Sunset spires, soaring silver colonnades. It's a camera phone. On the counter by the DVDs. Thank you. How do we get in? I don't know. Push a button. Hey, hey, it's locked. Yeah, push the button. Rory? Come on, Amy. Rory? I can see her, but she's not here. Where am I? Welcome to the Two Streams facility. Will you be visiting long? Good question. A bit sinister. What's the answer to not get us killed? It's okay, I've got you. You're fine. And where have you been? Will you be what do I tell it? I've been here a week. A week? A week? I'm so sorry. Aha, same room, different times. Two different time streams running parallel, but at different speeds. Amy, you're in a faster time stream. Doctor, it's going again. Doctor! Organic skin, ultimate universal interface, grown and grafted, not born. I mean, it's actually seeing with its fingers. What exactly did you do? Well, I just, I came in and I pressed the door button. Oh. Amy, there are two buttons. I pushed the red waterfall. I pressed red waterfall and she wasn't there. Okay, so you can't follow her directly in. No, it's never simple. Did you hear that handbox? She pressed the wrong button, that's all. We're aliens, we didn't know. Statement rejected. Apalapachia is under planet-wide quarantine. This is a kindness facility for those infected with Gen 7. What? Gen 7, hmm? The one-day plague. You are carrying unregistered bacteria. Please let me help you. No, I'm not from this world. Your medicine will kill me. Statement rejected. 
Do not be alarmed. Unauthorized resident detected. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who, Podshock, episode 255. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this episode is, once again, Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper from across the pond. Hello, Dave. Where have you been? I've been here a week waiting for that intro. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I guess the podcast has gone all wibbly-wobbly again. <laughs> good to be here. Well, good to have you back, Dave. And uh, welcome to everyone to the show. And as you know, we're here to review The Girl Who Waited, or in this case, uh, in Dave's case, The Boy That Waited. So, um, or The Presenter That Waited. <laughs> but, the old man that waited. Well, right now we have the whole audience waiting. So <laughs> I guess we should go on. But I, I do want to, uh, before we do talk about this episode, just to sort of remind everyone that uh, we... If you're here for Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, which had been at this time slot for the past, well, not last week, but previously, the seven weeks before that, we were here reviewing uh, Torchwood Miracle Day. And we still are, though we're not at this. We're in a different time stream. So we're a little we're behind Dr. Who or ahead or however you want to look at it. We're, we're in a different time stream than Dr. Who Panchak. So if you're tuning in for that, that's at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time, and we hope you can join us. And we are, um, Dave and I, and hopefully maybe Graham as well, will be reviewing the ninth episode, because we're on the BBC schedule, so it's the ninth episode, The Gathering of Torchwood Miracle Day. And if you are one of those that maybe stopped watching somewhere mid-through, you may want to pick up again. And um, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to speak on Dave's behalf, and you can tune in later on our opinions, but I think it does, I think everyone's sort of agreeing that it, it does kind of pick up and gets better towards the end. But we're not here to talk about Torchwood. <laughs> we're here to talk about Doctor Who, and the latest episode is The Girl Who Waited, which um, was on, today's Sunday, so it was just on yesterday, so last night, though um, it's available on iTunes and on Amazon and on this the Space Channel, and I'm assuming on ABC in, in Australia as well, uh, you have a, a chance to check it out. It's written by Tom McRae and directed by Nick Huron. And there's no real guest uh, actors, you know, um, you know, except for maybe the robots and the voice interface. This is like one of those bottle episodes where it's um, kind of contained in, um, you know, this... Well, there is some location shooting and all that, um, obviously, from the, as we see in the engine room and all that. But it, it is very much contained and they can economize. You know, you don't have a lot of actors, but it, it, I think it's still a worthwhile episode. The interface was played by um, Delores, played Jane Umbridge from the Harry Potter films. It's uh, Imelda Staunton. Oh, OK. So that's that's what that's. What we, that's why you're here, Dave, so you can fill me in on these things. So what I'll do is, um, as I normally do at this time in this podcast or, or any podcast, before we go any further. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. Well, you get the idea. Anything after this point and even before this point is spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen The Girl Who Waited, stop listening now and listen back when you have. 
Uh, also, I want to remind everyone that if you're listening and you're not on TalkShoe.com, you can sign up for a free account at TalkShoe.com, and this way you can put yourself in the queue, and you can call in. You can dial in at 724-444-7444, and the call ID number for this show is 23358. So 23358 is our call ID, and we encourage you to call and put yourself in the queue. So the girl who waited, we are treated to a story where Amy is in a faster time stream than the, the rest of the, you know, than the doctor and, and Rory. Basically, as I said before, there's no other outside of the voice of the interface and the robots, which, which by the way, I'll have to um, agree with the doctor and wonder why they don't have eyes. They, these robots kind of feel their way through their episode and um, through the story, through their hands. And it, it's... Well, it's because they had the weapons hidden in the head, wasn't it? Well, okay. The weapons were hidden in the head. So they can't put eyes in there too? <laughs> well, then when they opened that, their eyes would have been looking sideways. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, they could have both. They could have, they could have senses in their hands and their eyes and their heads. All right, we're just kind of going off on a tangent here. So I have to say the robots do, not not in their physical appearance, but um, the, their mannerisms and, and how they um, how they speak remind me of Robots of Death, the 1970s story, the Tom Baker story, you know, where it's just the, the monotonism, if you, you know, the way they speak and, and how, the pleas- yeah, they, how they, pleasant they, they, they all are. Yeah, I think, that, again, you shouldn't have to watch The Confidential to understand the show, but they did say that in The Confidential that they've been designed to sort of look, have an outwardly friendly appearance, you know, with a sort of uh, softly moulded lines mm-hmm. and so on and, uh, and, and, and looking unthreatening. The thing that actually surprised me was not the fact they didn't have any uh, eyes, but the way they sort of dropped into existence. They were almost uh, yeah. uh, materialised, yeah. weren't they, like uh, on, a, on a transport thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why they needed to do that, other than the fact it was a cool effect. They're in a, not in a rehab center, but a place where residents that are infected with this uh, virus that you heard in this clip that Dave, Dave, once again, thank you for putting together the clips. Gen 7. Thank you. The residents of this planet will, um, once they get this one day virus, they can live out the rest of their life in one day, so to speak. So... There's 40,000 residents. It appears that they're all in separate time streams. So that seems a little odd to me because you would think that you wouldn't want to live the rest of your life in isolation. So it's because Amy doesn't see any of them. And later on in that episode, you see Roy, uh, you know, see in, in that one room, you see a lot of people. And yeah, you can say, well, that's because they're all occupying the same space. So they're in different times, but still, hopefully they're not all, you know, alone as well, Amy well, is. Well, if they've only got one day to live, you can't sort of say, well, sit in this waiting room until we get 10 of you and we'll process 10 together. Presumably, as soon as they're brought in, they start their, their altering their time stream. So, obviously, unless two people die, I suppose if two people died together, or, well, sorry, got infected together, it's possible that they would live out the rest of their lives as a couple in 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 the same time time stream, but they never really went into that because that was really a side issue to the the whole premise of the story where we've got this timey wimey uh, device leading up to um, what I've been calling Sophie's Choice at the end. If you mm-hmm. ever saw that f- famous film? 
yeah, I, I, I don't really remember it, but a few years ago, uh, the viruses don't seem to be accelerated in the same time stream because if they were, then wouldn't they just die with, I mean, if let's say, a, 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 let's say a minute equals a day, whatever, wouldn't they just, they all, they, they would just, <laughs> wouldn't they be accelerated too? So it's, I don't know, we'll, we'll let that go, I guess, but it, it gets a little wibbly wobbly as the doctor would say. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, and we we see Amy age, but we don't really see entropy taking place with anything else. And I guess maybe the robots maintain everything, but everything looks exactly the way it was. No, no, no. You know, well, okay, the, except uh, for the door, the, the writing, writing on the door, the writing where, yeah, where Amy puts the writing. <laughs> but, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. So Amy, the makeup is wonderful. You know, I really thought they did very well with the makeup. I mean, she really does look older. Uh, though it wasn't very much apparent at first, but but later on there's a scene with the lighting and you really can see it on her face. I so, think it's when she had that initial mask on and you only saw her eyes. Her eyes hadn't been aged because she yeah. wasn't wearing contact le- lenses or anything. Uh, and, and the main focus of the aging was around her neck. Uh, and that obviously wasn't visible on the mm-hmm. first showing. Yeah. But um, the, I do feel as though they could have done a little bit more with her hair. Well, yeah, there's no grey. You would think, you know... Yeah. She, you would think she's probably fifty something at the youngest. You know, if she aged no, thirty, fifty-eight, she must have been. Because uh, well, that's what I'm saying. She, she's, tw- yeah, twenty-two or three, uh, plus thirty-six. She's almost sixty. That's that's what I was getting at. So you would think by now she would have some gray, unless she's uh, found some hair dye there too. <laughs> yeah, I think it was even even if she could have stayed, and and I believe redheads. You know, can keep the colour. I'm informed, but um, I think it would have just a a streak or one whole little clump of hair being grey, just to show it breaking through, would have would have completed the effect yeah, and, yeah. and made it, uh, uh, you know, slightly more believable. The other thing uh, I thought really is that when we saw a few rear views of her they, they didn't exactly pad out her bottom a little bit yeah she still had the same so figure she, sort of <laughs> she she had her same sleek figure that she has at you know at 22 or whatever age she is like we, all, like we all used to have yeah <laughs> yeah i guess um you know it's those uh vitamins that she's taking i don't know what is she's it's well even uh, um um, Rory says you're looking good, you know, and she said eyes forward, soldier. So, <laughs> what else? This is um again we're we're dealing with time again in this episode, and that's one thing that since even though this is written by Stephen Moffat, it's um since his um since he's been taken over, you know, we know he likes to do stories that 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 do you know play into time, and that time plays into it rather. And um, and I guess Amy's the first companion that we see her young and old, you know, both, you know, during her time with the doctor, you know. So I, I don't think we've we've seen that before. So they they sketched over an awful lot of things. Uh, Sharad uh, sixty six says, um, you know, she she wasn't eating. You know, uh, the first week that she stayed there, she we, she hadn't eaten and. Uh, it was it was unclear the very fact that her her memories had obviously lived the whole thirty six years, but may, maybe you know the physical physical man, manifestation of that thirty six years was in her you know her experiences and her, her memories and so on, and obviously visually on the 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 way 
her face had aged, but um, it, it does seem patchy the way it had done it. But of course, this is sort of a hospital environment. Uh, it's a sterile environment. Presumably, you know, if you are aging there, you're going to age at your most, um, whatever, whatever your own body type is capable of, it will achieve its optimum, mm. you know, uh, thing. I mean, I don't know why they went for that age, because, I mean, they still had her as a sort of a, a kick-ass soldier, didn't they? They had her, you know, d- doing all these moves and that. Uh, I don't know why they'd... Unless, unless the episode had 36 minutes to run from that point, so they decided 36 minutes will make that 36 years. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, in the chat, uh, Davros1179 and, and Guest3 are, are pointing out Mordron Undead, which... Uh, Tegan and Nissa do uh, get young and old, and so uh, thanks. For, it's, it's been a while since I've seen that episode, so I, I appreciate the reminder there. And Joe Grant was made to look old in The Claws of Axos, says Cybob. Mm. I thought the storyline was uh, very similar, played out to last week, although it was a totally different story, completely different lighting, futuristic-looking set. Uh, but we're, we're in a sort of a bottle episode. But um, where that story seemed a long time to get placed and, uh, you know, all, all the things put into motion, uh, and then it, it really got interesting towards the end. And I was slightly unsatisfied with the resolution uh, last week, the Night Terrors episode. But this one, I feel as though, um, you know, the, the pacing got better and better, and uh, there's some seriously good uh, points in this. It was very difficult getting the clips together in a way because uh, it's a very wordy episode. There's lots of um, uh, very good exchanges of dialogue that each seem fairly vital to the storyline. And we have this very great uh, emotional scene, build up scene, that. Um, I, th- I feel as though Rory stole it, but Karen Gillan turned in certainly more than an adequate performance. She's not been, to my mind, the greatest uh, uh, actress, and the companion has been some uh, a companion that some people have really taken to and others less so. But I, I do feel as though she has uh, improved somewhat, and she certainly is adequate enough and sells that part. And in some of the final scenes towards the end, um, you do begin to feel as though she's um, made the sale, as it were. But um, only because, to me, Rory is, is so magnificent in his his uh, both attitude to her, his attitude to the Doctor. And we have yet another uh, episode where the Doctor lies, doesn't he? He promises Rory that they can save them both. And then there's this uh, turnabout moment where he shuts the door in the older Amy's face and um, we get um, a very, very dramatic scene towards the end. So What's interesting is that the doctor didn't immediately take off. You would think at that point, you know, just to ease the pain of Rory and all that, he would just, you know, leave. But he, he seems to linger and I guess he, he leaves it up to Rory to, to make that decision or whatever. But it, it's... Just an interesting side note there. Well, well, the older Karen is the one that he only believes it because she says it. She she bequeaths her days, which uh, you know is um, amazing, really. With I mean, like let's kill Hitler. We had uh, River Song bequeath her uh, regenerations to the Doctor, 
and now here we have uh, the older Amy Pond bequeathing her, basically her life, because she knows that um, at the end of the 24 hours she will blink out of existence. Uh, even, even, it almost goes back to um, when I used to watch uh, Star Trek and people would get on the, you know, the... Uh, uh, you know, beam me down, Scotty. I always, I, I'm very sceptical about those. I always think that you know, you're scanned, and there's a recording of you, but you physically actually die. Your your body dies on that um, uh, transport system, and a replica of you mm-hmm. is constituted at the other end, and into that constituted replica of you, your memories are injected. So. Anybody yeah. talking to you at the beginning and talking to you at the end thinks it's the same person, but it's not. And this particular Amy realises that when when they leave, she she will dissipate, uh, it, it, she will cease to be. Um, and that, of course, is the, the, the dilemma that Rory can't understand. And uh, I think he, he sells the whole scene... Um, a lot, there's, a, there's a lot to say, but really, the whole story is a, a vehicle for that dilemma, I think. I'll go off on another side note, since we've been doing this the whole episode so far. There's an old, not not an old, um, it's a new, I say old because it's probably about maybe 10 years old, but not the original, um, um, oh, I just lost the name of the series, Um Outer Limits. The, the Outer Limits. They they revived the series like in the like um, in the late nineties and early two thousands, I think. And there was an episode. I, I think it was on pre, on one of the premium channels here. And uh, the, and I don't remember the name of the episode, but there is one episode that, explore, that explores what you were just talking about, Dave. About um, that it takes place in the future and with a transporter, and um, that they have to kill the person the, before they're transported or or after the transport takes place and they materialize safely where they're supposed to be um they have to kill the person that was standing um in the, the original person so they they don't have two of them and something goes wrong something goes awry and, and there's two people left you know of the same person in the in the same universe and that the story unfolds from there but it's interesting nonetheless but i don't know if that's the case what's going on here we she just enters uh, she presses the the red button for the, and that sort of reminds me of the matrix, but they had to make the choice between the colors. So she goes into the red waterfall and she enters another time stream. And then when Roy tries to do the same, cause they, cause obviously people will say, why doesn't Roy or someone just, you know, go into that and uh, catch her, you know, but supposedly, you know, when you go into that, you put your automatically put in a different time stream. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I just think she's just in another parallel you know, another alternate time stream really is um, that thirty-six years gets eliminated because they they break it when she's the younger one is brought on board. Anyway, you we're going to a paradox here. <laughs> uh, we do see the glasses, which reminds us very much of the Torchwood contact lenses, though in this case they're glasses. Right. There was lots really. I mean, the the, um, the there was another reference where where she goes into the room with all the doors, and she's it's explained that she can go into the various scenarios, and she, she ha- actually choose the garden. But I mean, that's sort of um, a little bit Star Trek like as well, where you know you can go into portals. 
city on the edge of tomorrow, is it, or whatever, and, and you, you step through those. Um, and it's not really clear whether those are like lift doors, like the first door that they go through with the two buttons on, or whether they actually are portals to another part of the facility. Um, but that weather, and, and uh, as Benjamin Elliott was saying on our show earlier, the, the way that the, the garden was realised and so on was really well done. There was, some, there was a lot to admire in this uh, uh, way to being contrived and, and mm-hmm. done. And I think it was the Millennium Centre that they'd used for that great hallway that she'd appeared in, looked oh. like a reception mm-hmm. hall. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. At first I thought it might have been an airport, but I said, no, that's, doesn't, you know, it looks too... You know, airports are usually bright and white and all that. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. We had mentioned, um, well, the chat room had mentioned the Mordron Undead episode, and and, and I had mentioned Robots of Death, and I'm going to go back to another Tom Baker story that has had a little feel to it, which was um, Warrior's Gate, which I haven't seen in a lifetime as well, which had uh, had... some differences with time. There was time winds, and there, there were also robots in there as well. And um, I mean, I'm not saying the story or anything like that, but it just just echoes, just some familiarity there. Uh, I, I need to kind of watch that again. It's been a while. All right. In many ways, this is both a great episode, and uh, and I know some people think you know it's it's a really uh, uh, high concept one and it's one that I, I, when I was watching it I always have this thing of, of not necessarily enjoying Doctor Who when I first watch it because I'm so worried about what they're going to do with <laughs> with each particular story um, but it, it definitely is going to be one of these ones that does grow on you but it's a very high concept one when you think that last week's one was perhaps so easy for people to get in into Doctor Who, one wonders what they're going to make after watching Night Terrors, you know, very dark, uh, doll's house horror sort of thing. And then you think, oh, I quite like this Doctor Who. I'll watch it next week. Um, they, must, they couldn't have had such a, a big contrast, one would have thought, from last week's episode to this, even though they're both, as I say, self-contained and sort of bottle episodes. But um, Well, I think it's it, good that it, it, it is high contrast because you need something. I think next week's episode is a little bit, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, but from what we do, what we have seen of it from the trailers and scenes and all that, it is very similar to Night night terrors where it's sort of a you know a haunted house type of thing except for it's not really you know it's it's in that similar vein where um if we can see from the previews that it's it's in that similar vein of night terrors right so this is a good buffer between the two i would think right uh, now i know we're, we're fairly early on but um i've got a feeling that uh unless you want to do a little um break at this moment it, yeah, it might be as well to have a little uh, reminder more of the story as well yeah, we'll um what we'll do is we'll well i guess we could take a break and then we'll come back and play a clip and then um see if i know we had kobo in the queue before he's not in it now but maybe he'll he'll come back but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and hear what you have to say so anyway, as we do when we take these quick breaks is that we usually remind people about Audible, which is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, and that includes thrillers, romance, comedy, business, and of course, science fiction and fantasy. They have tons of titles, especially in Doctor Who. You really need to check them out. They have the, their titles play on all iPhones and Kindles, Androids, over 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere. 
And as I said, if you go to their website, you can really see what they have to offer. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And even if you decide, well, you know, it's not really right for me, you still can keep your free audiobook. And we always like to make a recommendation or a referral for your selection. Again, it could be anything that you like. It doesn't have to be Doctor Who. It doesn't have to be what we're suggesting here. It could be, like I said, whatever you like. But we're going to go back to, uh, we're going to go back even further than the, than the fourth Doctor. We're going back to the to a, the second Doctor. This is a, a second Doctor story. It's Furry from the Deep, which is um, by Victor Pember Tim. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that last time right. And it's narrated by none other than David Troughton, the son of Patrick Troughton. And he really, his voice really does remind me of Patrick Troughton. So, um, in fact, this is a little bit from it here. The sky had never looked more menacing. Huge clusters of dark gray clouds had overwhelmed the early morning sunshine, threatening the approach of a gathering winter storm. Beneath it all, the sea. Cruel, unyielding sea. Crammed with dark secrets that man on planet Earth has never fully understood. Quiet and calm now, with small white tufts of foam curling gently across the surface, waiting for the gale force winds to lash them into a frenzy. An ancient mariner once said that if you stand alone on the seashore, you will hear the sound of those who dwell in the deep depths of the ocean. Today was to be just such a day. For the moment, however, the sound was a more familiar one. The TARDIS began to materialize out through the clouds, gradually descending to hover for a few seconds just above the waves. Finally, it dropped with an undignified flop onto the sea. A short while later, a small rubber boat was bobbing up and down on the undulating swell, heading its way slowly towards the shore. Inside the boat, three time travellers were all looking decidedly cold and wet. Just like you to land us in the middle of the sea, Jamie was very disgruntled as he used all his burly strength to row the boat's oars against the outgoing tide. Sorry about that. The doctor was also rowing energetically, his favourite woollen bobble hat pulled tightly over his ears. But don't worry, the TARDIS is perfectly capable of floating. Behind them, the TARDIS was swaying gently to and fro on the surface of the water. It was a majestic, if improbable, sight. Passing ships were going to be in for something of a shock when they picked up an old blue police box on their radar scanner. Where exactly are we? groaned Victoria. The poor young girl was huddled beneath a large blanket wearing a thick woolen jumper and skirt, trying to protect herself from the merciless ice-cold breeze. Victoria had never been a good sailor. She had even got sick when her father took her rowing in a boat on the Serpentine Lake in London's Hyde Park. That was back in Victorian times. The doctor's eyes were carefully scanning the barren coastline ahead of them. Oh, well, that's a little bit from 
Furry from the Deep, which is a Second Doctor story, originally uh, transmitted episode uh, story, rather, though unfortunately one of the lost ones. This was a uh, novelized in 1986 by Target Books, so this is uh, based on that, where uh, the Doctor and his companions materialize near a North Sea gas refinery, and they encounter a terrifying foe in the dark, uncharted depths of the sea. So it sounds pretty interesting, and, you know, it's very rare that the TARDIS lands in the, in the, in the water, so it's, um, it's unique in that. So, uh, again, this could be your free audiobook selection, but it doesn't have to be. You can get your free audiobook today, today by going to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And if you're happen to be driving while you're listening to this or you can't write that url down don't worry just go to pachak.net and you'll see an offer there on our page for for this offer so you can get your free audiobook and check it out yeah it certainly does sound like he's done as many people have put in the chat yeah he does he really does i mean um you know, obviously, it doesn't have the same inflections and everything, but it still has that same voice. And it, I think as David Troughton has gotten older, he's gotten to sound even more and more like his mm. his father. So, uh, if, you know, if they ever decide to do, let's say, um, a and you know, if well, luckily we have all the audio recordings, even of the lost episodes. But if they were ever to do some sort of, I don't know, fiftieth anniversary where they needed to have the second doctor's voice and you know say something new that's not or that hasn't been recorded he's the fellow <laughs> <laughs> though Indeed. graham um Sheridan may argue with me that he would want to do it but <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're going to play a clip to get us back in the mood for the girl who waited Red waterfall, we made it. Good old us. How do we know that we're in the same red waterfall as Amy? Focus on the positive. We locked onto Amy's time stream. Interface. I am here, Amy Bond. From here, you may depart to any of two streams' entertainment zones. Garden. Beautiful. You really could spend a lifetime here. Do not be alarmed. This is a kindness. <laughs> Where is everyone? And there they are. 40,000 time streams overlapping. Red Wolf isn't one time stream. It's thousands. Are they happy? Oh, Rory, trust you to think of that. Baby. Ah. No, please, please. Duck. The only way I've survived this long is by making the handbots think I don't exist. But you're still here. I've been on my own here a long, long time. 36 years. I hate him. I hate the doctor. Okay, so we just take the TARDIS back to the right time stream. Yeah? We locked onto a time stream, Rory. This is it. I don't care that you got old. I care that we didn't grow old together. Let me come on, please. Don't touch me. It's like you're not even her. Here's the plan. I've worked out a way to hijack the temple engines and use them to fold two points of Amy's timeline together. We're bringing her out of the then and into the now. We could take this Amy with us, easy, but if we do, our Amy has to wait 36 years to be rescued. So I have to choose. Which wife do I want? This is your fault. I'm so sorry, but Rory... No, this is your fault! 
You, you, should, you should look in a history book once in a while, see if there's an outbreak of plague or not. That is not how I travel. Then I do not want to travel with you! glass still on. If the link's still active, I think I can hear Amy. Our Amy. You're right, David. Dave, I should say. <laughs> Getting so formal with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Darville does do a, an excellent performance in this episode. He's um, really right on, on the money. And challenging the Doctor yet again is... Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I wonder whether that sort of threat for him not to travel with the Doctor is going to have all the fans clamoring and saying, no, don't leave Rory. <laughs> don't leave Arthur. We like you. Because <laughs> he's got a real fan club, I think. No, that's great. So, uh, again, if you'd like to get yourself in the queue, if you're on TalkShoe right now, and it's a free account, so you can sign up and get yourself a free account. You can uh, put yourself in the queue there so we know that you want to talk. And then, and Dave, maybe you can chime in with this. If you're calling in, you can... If, if you're not on the website and you're calling in and you want to put yourself in the queue, isn't there a key combination you can punch to put yourself in the queue? It, well, there's the, there's actual, uh, the, there's the request to talk. Uh, but if you want, oh, you mean if you're actually on a mobile phone? If you're calling in and you're not, uh, you're yeah. not on the website and there's, yeah. isn't there yeah, like I a... I think it's star eight, but I will just confirm that because I wouldn't want to give out um, incorrect information. Would I? Certainly not. No, no. Of course um, not. But yeah, I thought Kobo was in the queue. Have they, did they, did their audio drop off and drop I, back again? I I don't know. He he was he was he was in it before, but now I don't see him in the queue anymore. That's what I meant. I wondered whether they had issues with their audio. But anyway. Well, as always, we like to give podcast, uh, podcast, <laughs> Podchock supporting subscribers uh, preference in the queue. So if you are a supporting subscriber, uh, you will be bumped up in the queue. So, um, and again, we do appreciate Podchock supporting subscribers. We wouldn't be able to do this show without them. And it, it does really make a tremendous difference for the show. And, um, and this is just one of the ways we like to show our appreciation. Yeah, it's Star 8 going to the queue. Star 8. From the okay. phone. All right. Well, put your, if you're calling in and you're not, you know, not on TalkShoe itself, you can do star eight to put yourself in the queue. And if you want to become a supporting subscriber for a small monthly fee, you can do so. And it, like I said, it's the only way we can continue and, and bring this show to you. You can go to arttrap.com or pawchalk.net and you'll see a banner on the top of the page there. And you can click on that to become a Pawchalk supporting subscriber. It really, you know, now more than ever, we really need your help. So thank you once again for all our subscribers. So I can thank one person in person right now, which is um, Daisy Witch, which we'll bring on right now. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Hello. Cheers. Hi. How, how's it going? Hi. It's going beautifully. So you, you're the girl who waited in the queue to be called upon, <laughs> and, and now you're here. Yes, I am. What did you think and, of this episode? You know, I was surprisingly blown away. So you had low expectations you, going into this, maybe from the previews. You said you seemed, maybe, I'm just guessing, um, perhaps it wasn't going to be as good as it was, and it turned out to be better than you anticipated. I had low expectations of this episode because I'm not a big fan of episodes that are companion-centric. Mm -hmm. 
I like the adventure kind of episodes, you know, uh, kind of like Night Terrors, like you saw in, cl- in classic uh, Doctor Who. And I haven't really been enjoying the, the Amy episodes, especially lately. But this one just totally wowed me. I mean, she, she Karen Dillon really surprised me with her acting. I hate saying that, but she did all the little subtle changes that happen when you go from being a young bunny something to a middle-aged woman yeah. really well. Yeah, I thought so too. You know? And there was that you really, I mean, I think I'll probably notice more on a second or third viewing, little things about just the way she held her body, she mm-hmm. moved her eyes, her voice even, her, her inflection, the way she spoke changed. You can tell that when she was talking back and forth with herself. It was amazing. The story was great. Rory was fantastic. In fact, I, thinking back on it, I see that it was actually more of a Rory story than an Amy story. Yeah, I think so too. Yes. You know, yeah, and Rory's become one of my all-time favorite companions. Um, so that that just thrilled me right there. That's were beautiful. I kept thinking, especially when Amy was walking through, little kind of like the airport section of it. It reminded me of um, 2001: A Space Odyssey before they mm-hmm. get on the ship when they're yeah. you know, talking and everything. Mm-hmm. All that white. You know, and of course, in the beginning, I thought I was going into e-space. At the very beginning of the episode, they walked out and the car was and it's all white. I would not mind seeing more of the Amy Rory kind of stories if they were like this. I guess I'm tired of the River Song thing. But, uh, wow. This is, I actually wound up crying a few times during this. It brought tears to my eyes. Oh, I don't think I don't think you were alone with that with that final scene. Um, it did somewhat mirror the um, the the sort of Doctor and Rose being divided by the two universes, didn't it? With the the doors of the TARDIS, but um, it, it mm. certainly made for an emotional climax. Yeah, it kind of did, but I wasn't that emotional during the Rose thing. I, mean, I wasn't that fond of Rose, but that didn't get me as much as seeing Rory and Amy separated like that. You know, seeing Rory with his, leaning, leaning his head against the door just saying I'm sorry over and over again. That just... Uh, well, essentially, up. he had to kill his wife, you know, even though there's it's 36 years onwards, it was still the same person, aged, yes, but, you know... It's... And even though she was just sitting there right behind her, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole yeah. new light on trading the wife in for a younger model, isn't it? I thought of that. I mean, there was a lot they had to condense in this episode. It was only 45 minutes long, but they, they I mean, as Dave said, there's, there's a lot of talking, but I mean, they had to somehow establish that Rory, you know, was able to relate to the older Amy just as well as the younger one, you know, where so that choice became even more. Um, and also, you know, just the character of Rory is a nurse. He's a caring individual. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it just isn't in his makeup. And, you know, he even yells at the doctor that you're making me into you now or something like that. And and it's interesting the way they, even though it doesn't scientifically, it doesn't really make much sense that this virus only affects people with uh, two hearts. So the doctor wasn't able to really play i mean he had to just he what he had to do was do um perform remotely in the tardis and not 
enter into that um, realm for the fear of getting, you know, getting that virus. So it, it yeah. kind of, it kind of, I guess, I guess maybe this is the Dr. Light story, even though I mean, it didn't seem that way because the doctor did seem present through most of it, but it was all Tardis scenes mostly for his, for the, for the most part. Yeah. I did buy the, the disease thing. I mean, we have diseases here on, on earth that like taste backs that only affects a particular race or something like that. Um, I'm sure it had something more to do with just the two hearts, because how is the virus going to really, you know, what difference would it make to the virus if it has two hearts or one heart? But maybe there's something else, uh, other common denominator. binary virus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, now you say it, Louis, it, it, it was sort of a Doctor Light episode, certainly, mm. in many ways, and um, or a companion heavy one, whichever way you want to put it. Well, I, I think this is their Doctor Light story. This is, what, what was this? This is episode not is it 10? 10. 10. So this yeah. is traditionally where that Doctor Light episode kind of appears. Mm. So, Daisy, how would you rate this? How many TARDIS groans would you give this? Uh, I actually, I think for the first time ever, I would give this a five. Really? Okay. Ooh. Yeah, I I don't see how they could have improved it any. The writing was brilliant, the set, the costumes, everything. I was really blown away. Fantastic, okay. I'm, I'm very critical. <laughs> you know, I'm not very critical badly against Doctor Who, as I think some people are, but I'm, I can be very critical when it comes to writing and everything. It just knocked me over. Okay, fantastic. Any other final thoughts before we move on? No, I think I've, I think I've said everything I, I wanted to say. Uh, you guys have a great show. I've been loving it for a few years now. Well, thank so, you. And we thank do you thank for you for your, your support, um, as always. Always. All right. Yes. All right, cheers. Yes. All right, next up is, um, I'm not sure, well... We only have two other people, so I, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. It's not a long delay for them anyway, yeah. either. So let's go to, uh, we'll just go in... Uh, Are you going to press the red button or the green button? Is it going to be the <laughs> green anchor or the red waves? What we'll do is uh, we'll take Davros, and then we have uh, Davros 1179, and then we have one final clip, and then uh, we'll take the seventh doctor, and then we'll, we'll call it a show. Hello, Davros. Hello. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. You're sounding good. Is it, so this good. is your first uh, time calling in? Uh, yeah, it is. I've been listening to Podshock and Coltum and all that for a long time. I've been a supporting subscriber and just never had a day off to be part of a live show, so I thought I'd take the chance. Well, welcome. Wow. We're glad you did. What did you think of this episode? Uh, well, I uh, I liked it. I, I was really excited to see... Um, I think every Doctor Who season needs robots that are supposed to be friendly, but then turn out potentially <laughs> harmful. I, yeah. I, I don't think the Doctor is just complete without that, so I was really excited to see that. Um, I loved Rory in this episode, because uh, I know the last couple um, pod shocks I listened to where you commented where Rory started kind of getting a little wimpy again and stuff, and you noticed that, and then in this episode he kind of fights back with the Doctor and you know, no, I'm not going to play it your way. And I, I thought that was really, really cool mm. to see that. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I said in the last episode. The last couple episodes, he seemed to go back into little, you know, into a bit of a wimp mode where where we saw the man, when a good man goes to war, he was, you know, a little bit more fierce. Yeah. 
Should I repeat the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, what about, are you a, a, an Amy Pond fan then, or, or not so much? I, I, I like Amy's character. I, I like the fact that she challenges the doctor. Um, it, she, in a way, it kind of reminds me of the doctor's relationship with Sarah and how she was stronger and she would challenge the doctor's decisions and things. But I, I, I sometimes, it almost gets a little too much for me where she's almost non-cooperative constantly sometimes. And I'd like to see a little more happy medium there. I'm actually becoming a bigger Rory fan than an Amy fan, which I never expected when he joined the show. Well, she's fiercely independent, even to the point where in this episode where uh, Rory, when she comments, um, the older Amy comments uh, to to Rory how he looked at younger Amy and how he used to look at her that way and that she's forgotten how much he loved her. He, she never says, I've forgotten how much I love you. She says, I've forgotten how much you love, how much you love me and, and how, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's very much her Amy centric in Amy's eyes. It's, it's very much, you know, the world revolves around her and she stays consistent that way, you know, as a character. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. And I, I think that's why I'm liking Rory more because he seems to be getting independent that way too. But I guess maybe not not such a combative way, but I, I just I really really like when I love the my favorite scene in the whole episode was towards the end when the doctor puts his hand on the lock and you know he looks the doctor right in the eye and he says you know no this isn't fair you're trying to turn me into you and that that just that line I thought was really really strong coming from a character that started out in the early beginning so weak and it just shows you how much he's grown. Yeah, no, I agree. So how many TARDIS groans would you give this story? I'd give it probably four out of five. Probably four out of five. Okay, that's good. That's um, respectable. I checked our website before, and the the poll we only put up today, so this afternoon, so it hasn't been up there long that long. So right now it's... Um, it's um, only a few votes there, but it's kind of split with four, with uh, five, four, and three TARDIS groans, you know, tied, a three-way tie right now. But I think as time goes on, um, so if you're listening to this, if you, you want to, you know, chime in, go to our website, podshock.net, and you can vote on, um, you know, give your TARDIS groan rating for this episode and previous episodes that we've um, reviewed. Any other uh, comments, Davros? Uh, not really. That pretty much sums it up for me. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks uh, for your support, and thanks for calling in. Hey, thank you so much, guys. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll read some of the ones out in text later if you, if you want to say that yeah, towards the yeah. end. What we'll do is we'll play um, a, uh, the final clip, and then we'll take on the Seventh Doctor, and, um, and then you can read off some of the uh, ratings and chat. Will do. So I should remind people to, uh, if you want to call into the show, you can do that. And the number to call is 724-444-7444. Thank you. And the call ID is 23358. Okay, Doctor, two streams is back on air. Right, okay, so this is big news. This is temporal earthquake time. I'm now officially changing my own future and agreeing. Every lot of time says that shouldn't be possible. Yes, except sometimes knowing your own future is what enables you to change it, especially if you're bloody-minded, contradictory, and completely unpredictable. So basically, if you're Amy, then? Yes, if anyone could defeat predestiny. It's your wife. I'm trusting you to watch my back, Rory. Always. 
You and me, always. Because here's the deal. You take me too, in the TARDIS. Me too. But that means to be two of you. Permanently. Forever. And that way we both get to live. Two Amys together, C can that work? I don't know. It's your marriage. I'm sorry. I lied to her, Rory. Doctor. There can never be two Amy's in the TARDIS. The paradox was too massive. You can't leave her. She'll die. Doctor, no, she'll never have existed. When we save our Amy, this future won't have happened. But she happened. Doctor, She's there. Please. I trusted you. No, she's not real. She is real. Let her in. Look, we take this Amy, we leave ours. There can only be one Amy in the TARDIS. Which one do you want? This isn't fair. You're turning me into you. Who tries for me? Look in your face when you carried her. When you carried her away, you used to look at me like that. I'd forgotten how much you loved me. I'd forgotten how much I loved being her. Amy Pond in the TARDIS with Rory Williams. I'm sorry, I can't do this. If you love me, don't let me in. Amy, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Don't let me in. Tell Amy. You're Amy. I'm giving her the days. The days with you. Days to come. I'm so, so, so. The days I can't have. <laughs> Take them, please. I'm giving you my I'm days. So, so sorry. So that had a lot of the stuff that we were just talking about, a lot of those clips that we were just talking about mm. are in that montage there. Uh, right. So it was sacrifice there again, isn't it? We had sacrifice last week with um, River Song sacrificing the last of her, not uh, the Let's Kill Hitler, sorry, two weeks ago, sacrificing her... Uh, uh, regeneration, yeah. And here we have... Uh, and I think uh, th that... Uh, is exactly a good clip that um, Daisy Witch would have presumably really enjoyed because that was some of the things she was saying about where, you know, um, Karen had lowered her voice and, and got into mm -hmm. that older woman's character there. But I still think it's Rory that sells the scene. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I noticed that too, what Daisy was saying, how she really, it was some of the minor stuff that she did really helped to pull off. It wasn't just the makeup. It was... Um, her mannerisms and just how she held herself as an older person. I think she did very well. Hmm. Well, let's hear from the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. No, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. Lewis. How are you? Um, I am doing well. Thank you. How are you? Very good. You're sounding a little Cylon ish today. Hopefully that clears up. It's just an audio thing. Well, yeah, just take yeah. your volume down a little bit. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, if you speak quietly, that's fine. Okay. Maybe I don't want to make up too far. Uh, I was on the uh, the Colton Collective the, uh, this morning, and I was silent. So silence had fallen on me then, and now <laughs> I'm trying to make up for that. 
Um, I, I liked this episode very much. Um, there was a nice break uh, last week and this week, uh, getting away from the Melody River uh, theme that we've been on for a while now. Um, I hope we get back to that. Uh, I noticed some chat in the chat room saying that uh, they're, they're glad they want to get away from, from that storyline. I want to see some uh, resolution with that, so I hope we get back to that soon. Um, the title of this story, uh, when I first saw it, I was hoping it would be more about young Amelia than an older Amy. Uh, I didn't get that wish, but it didn't detract from my liking story at all. I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I know a lot of people have had trouble with Amy pushing the red button. Uh, I didn't have any problem with that. I was thinking, well, I'm probably on an upper floor of the building and I want to get out. I will push the lower button to go down and the elevator to get outside. Uh, so I didn't have any problem with that. And, you know, the button had a water bowl on it instead of uh, the anchor of the, the green button. Um, I'd rather have a waterfall than an anchor, if you ask me. So uh, maybe I, I had no problem. If maybe if they instead of doing red and, and green, maybe the color should have been yellow and, and blue, something more neutral, because, you know, traditionally red is an alarming color that, you know, and, and, and green is an inviting color. Green means go. Red means stop. So maybe if they if they chose different colors, it, maybe it would make more sense there. Maybe there be there wouldn't be this argument uh, maybe with some people that why did she choose the red? Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe if they had chose different colors. It was a minor quibble, I think. I, I had no problem with it. If it was me, I would have pushed the red button as well. So, there you go. Maybe I'm thinking like Amy. I don't know. Um, yeah. One problem I did have with the story itself is why didn't Amy eat? You know, she said um, towards the start of it that she hadn't eaten in a week, but it, she didn't have any problem with it, it seemed like. I didn't quite understand why she didn't have to eat, why she didn't have a hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they could have explained that a little bit better than they did. Um, a line or something thrown in there would have been nice. Uh, also, for the Sonic uh, uh, probe, um, some line about, well, I talked with the interface and I learned how to build one. Uh, that would have been nice to have that full explanation. Yeah. Um, those are my minor quibbles, though. Uh, it didn't really detract from the story a whole lot, I thought. Um, but one question I've had, uh, I guess from the start of season five, and it's just really built up over time, is who or what is Amy? I mean, she seems to have this ability where she can think things into existence or move things around uh, from one place to another just by thought. And we've had um, bring back Rory in the form of an auton just by, I don't know, thinking or something. She did something that was implied that way to me anyway. She brought the doctor back uh, after Big Bang 2. Um, and now she's moving herself, her younger self, around in in uh, space uh, to where she, the older Amy and Rory were. Um, I, I know that Rory was doing something with the equipment off to the side, but it seemed very integral to the process that 
uh, the, the two Amy's had to think the same thought, uh, a powerful thought mm-hmm. for it to happen. Yeah, the Macarena. So, uh, so oh, I'm just thinking, uh, does the doctor know something about Amy that the rest of us don't? Uh, I, I, I think um, this thing with uh, Melody and her time lordish abilities, I think this ties into Amy somehow. Uh, it's just a, a theory of mine. I don't know why uh, that's happening or what process is happening with that. I, I think it has something to do with this ability that Amy seems to have with her thoughts. I, I guess we'll see as time plays out. And there's been some criticism of, of Amy and that she's not been very convincing uh, with her uh, showing love for Rory. Well, I, I think this episode really helped to clear that up some, especially the the last scene, or next last scene with older Amy, where she basically makes the choice for Rory and and uh, doesn't go into the TARDIS, tells him that she's not coming in, and uh, because here here's older Amy, you know, she's trying to save herself, her, her life, but he's She's thinking of Rory and what would be better for him to be with younger Amy. So I, I really think that um, the love Amy has for Rory shows right there, and uh, I should—I I think that should um, clear some things up. Yeah. Um, did anyone get a, a Ace Doctor TV movie vibe out with the first scene? Uh, the Doctor had that toolbox that kind of reminded me of the toolbox the Doctor had in a TV movie, and also the rotating clock, uh, the book, the clock thing on the TARDIS console. Uh, that was very reminiscent to me of the uh, Ace Doctor's console. Well, also, the toolbox goes back to, to the original series, really, where uh, I, I don't recall exactly when and where, but it, uh, th- that toolbox was represented uh, originally in, in the original series. And um, the TV movie kind of picked up on that and reintroduced it and uh, you know, along with the sonic screwdriver and, and uh, that we see in that scene. So um, I, I think it's just carrying on that that continuity that, you know, but it's it's an interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that too. I, I observed that too. I said, "Oh, that's because it had that fold-out tool toolbox." Yes, since I just watched the uh, TV movie recently about three times, I think it was because I watched it both times with commentary on the recent DVD release. Uh, that just made me think of the TV movie. Uh, but definitely the uh, the the clock uh, was very reminiscent to me of the. Uh, TV movie TARDIS console. Right, well, Davros has put Davros eleven seventy nine has put in uh, the toolbox was seen in Mordred Undead. <laughs> Mordred Undead's uh, coming back again. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, one other thing, the, the line that Rory had, I don't want to travel with you anymore. Um, I'm just wondering how soon is he going to try to convince Amy? to leave the doctor. Uh, it, it seems like Rory's getting fed up with how things are going uh, with the travels with the doctor, and um, they, they do seem to have conflict from time to time, uh, as was mentioned already. I, I just wonder how soon he's going to try to have Amy leave. 
Well, yeah, uh, theoretically, they're still on the honeymoon, aren't they? I mean, they're left on yeah. their wedding night. Yes. Well, there was uh, there was some time between uh, when 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 this series picks up. When, and I'm, I'm not talking about the I'm talking oh, about the right. first half of the series. Yeah. There's some time that has passed. You know, when uh, when they're watching the Doctor on television and, and oh, that's true. That's so true. Th- there right. is some time that has passed, yeah. but there's still a lot. I mean, what's, what the seventh doctor was just saying about Amy being the center of everything, uh, I mean, that's what the doctor said in uh, one of the episodes from last year, you know, where everything kind of revolved around Amy, and, and he, she, he had said that she's the key to all this, and I don't know if that was resolved at the series finale when, yeah. you know... Uh, and of course, I'm forgetting the as well, they were picked up by the old eleventh uh, doctor as well, weren't they? When they went to America, the... Uh, the impossible astronaut mm-hmm. yes. the 1100 years one so uh, I mean this is the trouble with having a season arc that, that runs two years <laughs> but I enjoyed this episode a lot um, I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 uh, I thought they did a great job with the visuals and even some of the sound effects I think there was some um, classic series sound effects of the TARDIS in, mixed in there, and uh, I, I think I'd have to rewatch the episode again, but I think towards the start of the episode somewhere, it almost sounded like they were playing the Doctor Who theme backwards, mixed in with the TARDIS sounds. Uh, did anyone catch that? I had, um, I heard it sounded like a weird sound, and I, I never played, I never played it backwards, so I don't know if that's what it would sound like. But it sounded like it could have been something being played backwards. I don't know. Uh, I might be off base there. I, I didn't listen to it backwards, but it sounded like how it would sound if it was played backward, at least to me. All right. It could very well be, yeah. But I, they did use some of the uh, like the, the like the stuttering Tartar sound when uh, that we've heard before in the in the series of old. You know that was used again. So uh, I, yeah. I really do. What I especially like about the Tartar since Stephen Moffat has came aboard was incorporating some of the traditional Tartar sounds back into the Tartar because I think that was sorely missing. Uh, you know we we heard the. Um, you know, the, the cloister bell uh, occasionally before, you know, with, with Russell T. Davies, but we didn't really hear a lot of the other Tartar sounds that we've grown so accustomed to. So I'm glad to hear some of that back. Yeah, good, good. there was lots of good uh, uses of little things like that, and uh, Sharon's 66, but in, the, the music was never overpowering uh, in this episode. I mean, the music has been good. I mean, Murray Gold was almost dominating some of the scores. Very beautiful music, but uh, uh, they seem to have got a nice balance mm. uh, in certainly this uh, latest series. Well, well, there's some... Being able to hear the dialogue mm-hmm. and yet having the, 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 the themes running underneath. Well, there, there were some recognizable themes, like Amy's theme and stuff that, yeah, was, yeah. You know, that reoccurred here, those familiar themes that that um, Murray Gold will you know incorporate into a, into an episode. Mm. All right, well thank you so much Seventh Doctor. Thank you. Um, one other thing, uh, the one scene there, didn't it look like the entrance to the hospital in New Earth? Um, it even looked like it was from the same angle. Uh, did they film in the same building again, maybe change the appearance a little bit? 
I got that impression. The, the, they might have used it. I mean, they certainly, as I say, used the one in the building in Cardiff. So, I mean, it's notorious for the way they reuse locations and, and dress them up. It possibly was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm enjoying the show, and thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, Guest 7 in the show said it was the same location. So, Thank you. All right. Cheers. Okay, let me just read out some of the scores I managed to get off the mm-hmm. text that always goes on during these live shows. Guest 11, four and a half out of five. Uh, craft Master, uh, four and a half out of five. Guest 7, four out of five. Charez, 66, four out of five. And that's, is it Namari, is it? Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Five out of five. Cybob, three out of five. Enterprise Who, five out of five. Uh, Guess three, five out of five. So pretty high ratings there, Lewis. I think uh, stronger than we've had uh, for some time. It certainly looks as though this uh, second half of uh, Series 6 is uh, uh, getting some strong support. Yeah, I... I, I'm going to agree with uh, with Daisy, which is saying that it was a stronger episode than I was expecting, though it's still, I mean, for me, it still had some lingering issues that not not really gaping holes or anything like that, but just a, just like uh, some of the stuff that I think the seventh doctor was just saying, how come, you know, she wasn't eating and all that just stuff that maybe if maybe if they could have pushed out another a few more minutes of the episode running time and just kind of fill in some of those mm-hmm. little little things that would have fleshed out more. So I'm going to give it maybe a three and a half pushing to four out of five TARDIS groans. Uh, and I, I would say four for the characters and, and uh, you know, and for the acting and, um, you know, for Rory and, and what Amy did uh, with uh, Karen did as the older Amy and all that, I, I would give it four. But as an overall story, three. But I, I just, I think that... Yeah. Just a little bit more was just if they pushed a little bit more, maybe I don't know. I, I can't really say oh yeah. if they did this and that, whatever. But it just seemed like a combination of things that maybe if they just kind of filled in a little of those some of those holes, it would work better for me. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, I think you said a similar thing last week, and uh, I agree with you on this one. The story. Uh, I should have really liked it because it's time travel, but um, it took a while to grab my attention. And I, I was sort of thinking it was a sort of not mediocre, better than mediocre, but I wasn't mm-hmm. wow about it. Yeah. But uh, I do feel as though the emotional impact of the of the, the last 10 minutes really ups the, uh, the, the quality of the overall show. And where last week's Night Terrors had a, a sort of a slightly trite ending to it, this one had a, a really meaningful um, dilemma for Rory, and it may have set the scene for, uh, and, uh, as some people say, uh, and maybe regretfully, it might mean that Rory is is getting doubts. I mean, uh, we all know that uh, it's happened before with characters where uh, Nissa or whatever said, I can't, not Nissa, um, I know, Tegan, uh, Tegan. Uh, Tegan has <laughs> said, uh, you know, I can't do it anymore. It's too, there's too much death and destruction, and uh, uh, she she decided she'd have enough. Well, you could argue that Rory could soon be getting to a similar, the character's similar state of mind. So I, I probably was going to give it a three, again, after to, to studying the audio for somewhat, and by the time I've come to do the commentary it'll probably be up to a four out of five all right well very good 
Well, thanks again for everyone for listening. And I want to remind everyone that we'll be back at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time for our review of Torchwood Miracle Day. Episode 9 is called The Gathering. And we hope you can the join gathering, us. Gathering, yeah. Yeah. I hope you can join Dave and I and hopefully Graham and, and you know, uh, will join us as well. And, of course, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you there or hearing you there. It's the same thing, TalkShoe. It's um, a different call ID number, but we'll, you know, we'll let you know uh, that during the show itself. But So next week, we'll be back at this time slot reviewing, um, what's the name of the episode again? It's the God Complex. The God Complex. Thank you. And uh, we originally saw back in San Diego Comic-Con, that's when they showed the, the original trailer for this. Now, the, at the end of this episode, they had a more robust trailer. So it looks interesting. Right. And just in case people want to, to, to make a note, the people in the room, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi is uh, 110825. Yes. And that's uh, talkshoe.com. Well, you, obviously, if you're listening right now live, you know how to find us. It's at 7 p.m. And you can hear Dave on his show, The Cultum Collective, which uh, they recorded earlier at 2 p.m., today they i believe they reviewed the same episode so uh that's available on talkshoe.com already you can download it and via itunes and you can listen live at 2 p.m next sunday and you can give the yeah, just to g- you, you can give the call yeah. id for for that thank you that's uh, 54821 and just to confuse people when ian says the outro at the end uh, the outro seems not to have uh, appeared he must have had a connection problem right at the end but hopefully you'll enjoy the episode just as well and we had quite a few of the people in the room here in our show oh i'm sure they will so until next week or until or until 7 p.m uh we'll see you then cheers everyone cheers you have been listening to doctor who podchalk presented by the fan run gallifrenembassy.org Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now in the iTunes App Store. Have you seen my phone? Your phone? Yeah. Your mobile telephone. I bring you to a paradise planet two billion light years from Earth and you want to update Twitter. Sunset spires, soaring silver colonnades. It's a camera phone. On the counter by the DVDs. Thank you.